0: Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you think hiring an associate is a bad idea? Do you think gaining too many new patients will hurt your patient experience? Do you think marketing makes you look bad? Do you find it unrealistic to increase your revenue by $25,000 a month? Whatever you think is what will be. However, you can really push these limits, break through a practice growth plateau, and go as far as your mind lets you. Give us 30 minutes of your time to reset your mind and prove to you that you can do this. You can increase your new patients while simultaneously improving your patient experience. You can increase your revenue by $25,000 every month. You can grow when you have access to the right specialized knowledge. Find out how with a customized practice growth demo today. Schedule your demo at schedulinginstitute.com slash demo and let us prove to you that we can push your limits, exceed your expectations, and grow your practice by 10 to 40% in the next 90 days. Schedulinginstitute.com slash demo. That's D-E-M-O. Now, let's get to the show. It's the private practice playbook. Playbook. it's
1: a private Playbook. Playbook. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Super glad actually to be here today. Uh, summer's been a little bit of a whirlwind to say the least, but uh, I feel like I've traveled quite a bit around the country, done a bunch of different client events, got out, uh, had a few speaking engagements, um, busy, so hopefully you had a good one summer's over and it's time to finish the year strong so just as a reminder uh, this podcast is specifically for individuals that are running what i would call an owner uh, sort of occupied business if you would uh, mostly doctors obviously and uh, you know can be single practices or multi-doctor practices and And ultimately, this is sort of my uh, gift, uh, if you would, to the profession, uh, in an attempt to try to help you. Uh, And so today, we're going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And it is actually one of the... Uh, foundations you know when we look at what's happening with uh, doctors across the country you know as I record this the the list is pretty simple I mean people are dealing with uh, challenges around energy Uh, they're dealing with the way they look at the future Uh, maybe they're not as optimistic as they they could be Uh, they're dealing with Uh, They've always been dealing with money issues, right? But they like to suggest that that's not a big deal and it's always a big deal. And then we have this uh, post-pandemic work environment. And, you know, we like to say that, you know, people don't work as hard as they used to and blah, 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 blah. While while maybe your energy is actually less. And then you have the recruiting challenges. And obviously if you're running a multi-doctor associate type practice, which we have a lot of, Uh, you know you have the competition just to get the doctors in and then you have rising rates you know so uh, average uh, compensation rates have gone up you know five six percent over the last year and and so bottom line is you know there's some stress But, but by the way I'll just tell you you know we're coming up on 25 years with the scheduling Institute and uh, I don't think there was ever a year in the 25 years of working with doctors that there wasn't a problem that year. You know, every year there's a problem. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, my mentors taught me early on was that, you know, you just you deal with the problem and then you just get prepared for the, the next one that's going to come. And that's a pretty, pretty important formula for you to be applying into your situation. But today, in particular, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, So there's a concept Um, I did in a event a few years ago, and uh, we were talk. Actually, gave a talk uh, at a dental economic uh, event uh, last weekend about this uh, this idea of creating your own category of business, right? And so that's what we do. We we help doctors to create a high level of service, a high level of connection to the patient. And and, and that then generates lots of patient referrals and lots of goodwill. And, and, and it's very hard to compete with, right? And so if you're listening to this podcast and you, you got on here and you were referred by somebody, you know, there may be you know and you may look at their practice and you wonder well wow they have a successful practice well it's because they've they're doing all the things that I suggest right they're putting time in these things but today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a concept that will apply to any of you listening and and it is this and it took me a lot of years to formulate this and I'm going to do my best to teach it to you in a relatively short period of time but I'm going to talk about the uh this there's a concept and when I I was going to tell you I when i did this event on how to have a category of one, I went back and personally went through and tried to develop a list of all the, uh, maybe my innate, you know, the things that kind of come natural to me, um, practices or principles, and this is a huge one. And it was interesting that, and I'll share a story that even happened this morning about this. And so the, the concept is this, is that I want to teach you how to look specifically at how you give up control and are influenced by other people okay I mean and it's funny you know a lot of people will think that You know, if I said that, they would say, well, I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem, but let me break it down for you. And let me give you some very specific examples. So for instance, right now, when you look at our profession, there is a group of people, right? And they have formed an association. It is called the American Association for Dental Service Organizations. That organization is there to legitimize They're it's a to legitimize what they're doing to buy practices and have doctors go to work for them. And okay, fine, they are free to do that. That makes sense. Okay, I will be launching the new Just Say No to DSO campaign, right? So, you know, years ago, Ronald uh, Nancy Reagan created the Just Say No campaign. So, I'm gonna create my own association, the Association for Independent Doctors, which I'll ask you to join someday, and then we're going to create a campaign that says just say no to DSOs, and I'm going to publish information that tells people the truth about private equity and DSOs, and and if you but so okay so then you say well wait a minute Jay are you know are you biased too okay so that that would be an example of two parties trying to influence you okay so now what we want to do is you want to understand something so what we're going to do is we're not going to talk about the DSO okay we're not we but, but I wanted to give you that example so for instance in Uh, If you were to interview doctors and you would say, well, okay, well, where are you getting this information? So, for instance, those groups right now are running campaigns, they're writing articles, and they're suggesting that the independent practice is dead. That's absolutely not true. Uh, The only people that are saying the independent practice is dead are the exact group of people who will then turn around and try to buy it from you at a discount and then have you go to work for them. So what's so fascinating is if it was so bad, then why would you buy it? However, thousands and thousands of dentists will be influenced by this. And and you may, it, it could just be affecting your headspace. They're literally trying to brainwash students to suggest that you owning your own business isn't an option. You know, you'll have too much debt, blah, 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 blah. None of that is actually true. And the only people that are actually saying this is this group. And so, but I wanna back it up and I don't wanna talk about that particularly. I wanna talk about the concept. And so the question is, how come I can see it so clear and how come you can't? And how come a doctor a doctor can't see it? Well, it's the same reason why we do certain things, okay? And and I'm gonna unpack this concept for you. So. And, and here's the concept, because you can apply it to any situation. And I, I used to look at it, I, I first, okay, so first, we're going to talk about any person, any profession, okay? So for instance, if you're a general dentist, you know what? You are pro-dental care. Right, so you try to affect people. You you don't educate them particularly well, but you 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 think you do, right? (laughs) A lot of you think you educate your patients, right? You educate when they when they're in the office, and you know if you're an orthodontist, right? You're you're going to be pro braces or pro Invisalign or whatever it is that you that you use. So so we all have biases, okay? And and, and as a matter of fact, uh, we have partnered with a guy by the name of Robert Cialdini for many years, and we've studied how to influence people, and there are three ways to influence people. I'm sure I've talked about this in in a, a previous podcast. There are three different types of influencers. You have the bungler, the smuggler, and the sleuth, okay? And so the bungler is the person who never knows how to influence anybody. They even have control and power, they don't use it. And then the smuggler is the person who would tell you that the profession was going to die, and then they would turn around and take all your equity, in my mind, right, if that's not what you really wanted to do. And the sleuth is the person who, you know, I would hope, for instance, that you would be a sleuth, in when you try to influence your patients, you're not trying to influence them to do things that are bad for them. You're trying to influence them to fix the problems they have, to feel good about themselves or whatever it might be. And so, uh, you know, when I think about, you know, what what I want to do, I always want to fall in that sleuth category. I do want to influence people, but I want it to be a win-win situation. So today, I'm going to talk through a few various professions, and we're going to talk about how that you'll understand. And then we're going to talk about this idea So there's some rules and so the first rule is whenever you encounter a person or profession or some information the, the first rule is i always source it okay so for instance if you see an article and you start reading an article i usually go to the to the back so if you read an article that talks about how you've got to sell your practice and become part of a group and then you read to the end and it's written by someone who runs a dso well that article was indeed written to influence you and if you don't look at the source you you know you're not going to understand it. so this is like it's so amazing to me how like with reviews right reviews can be um i was talking to somebody the other day and and they they had a tenant and and the tenant wrote a review about their beach house they were renting and and the review was about the fact that they couldn't get a a dinner reservation and the beaches were crowded. Well, that had nothing to do with the person that rented them the space. But some people when they read reviews, they don't think about who wrote the review. So for instance, I don't look at reviews. And, and, And the reason I don't look at reviews is for that fundamental reason. Because I think anyone who has time to write reviews, most likely, I mean, they could have bad taste, they could be not smart, they could be vindictive, there's all kinds of things. So personally, for me, reviews don't hold a lot of weight. If you look at the amount of weight reviews hold to people, it basically tells you how much they're willing to cede control of their life. I mean, it would be way too risky for me. I mean, now again, you may say, but I love reviews, but okay, well, that's fine but you also may like ceding control of your decision-making, okay? And so what does that mean? What does ceding control of your decision-making mean? Well, some of the best examples would be if you watch, like there's some shows like uh, Greed Scoundrels, and and this is a show about how people have used their influence to be what we call smugglers, right? To make it a one-way street and they influence people and 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 there are biases in professions okay but what i want you to understand is the concept so like one of the first concepts and i taught this a lot in you know over 25 years of helping people to become high income earners and what happens is a lot of people have financial influencers in their life that they allow to influence. And by the way, this starts in your actual home. So think about that. If, if you're born and you have parents, and you, most likely the largest financial influence of your life will be your parents. Well, if your parents are middle class, how would they ever teach you how to get rich? They, they wouldn't be able to teach you. They'd probably teach you how to be middle class. If your parents were poor, they'd teach you how to be poor. They're not trying to hurt you, okay? So this is what's so important about this concept is the realization that you're allowing people to influence you all the time. But what you haven't really thought about is what the cost of doing it is. And if you think about it, you know, when we think about, you know, the highest level of this is when somebody, you know, somebody reaches out to me and they say, Jay, I've got friends in your 5X program. I want to take my business five times. I want to hire you. I'll do what you say. Okay, they are literally electing to be influenced that's the highest level okay so uh, today there's this guy and he's a banker and he has been calling me for six months i will call him eric and i love persistent people so this morning i took eric's call eric has invited me to a game or something he's tried to take me to lunch i have always said no And so Eric is approaching me and he's saying, Jay, I am a commercial banker and I would like to talk to you about the scheduling institute. Well, somehow he got to me. And so here's what I wanna go through. On that day, I wasn't looking for a banker. So I brushed him off. But today I said, hey, Eric, I I like you because you're persistent, but I don't wanna waste your time. And I said, Eric, I I have a strategy in life and here's what it is. This is the concept I'm teaching you. I said, you know, I have a pretty busy schedule and I have to make a lot of decisions every day about what I'm going to do with my time. And one of the strategies that I use is that when someone calls me and they have an agenda, I don't allow their agenda to surplant my agenda or to move my agenda aside. So I said, Eric, I've had the same bank for 20-some years. I have a good relationship with them, and I really don't think I want to change banks, and I just wouldn't want to lead you on, but I really love your persistence, right? And I, was, I actually was giving him the concept, and so it wasn't personal against this guy, if that makes sense, right? So the concept is this. You want to mature. Number one, you've got to learn that you are being influenced and you've got to study it. I'm telling you right now, it would take me about 10 minutes to sit down with you and to interview a couple like your spouse or something like that, to kind of look at your life. And I could probably figure out who is a, and these are usually what we call non-paid influencers. And sometimes you actually pay them. And so, for instance, if, if, you know, you see this a lot where a doctor will, you know, they're married and they've heard that you're supposed to talk to your, uh, your partner about everything. And they talk to their partner and their, their partner gives opinions. And their partner is this really great person, but they know nothing about business. And they're literally sounding off every decision to a person who knows nothing about business. See, that is not correct. Um, a lot of times you're rolling the tapes about money. You're rolling the tapes about your... So for instance, what do you think about marketing? Well, I don't like marketing. Okay, why don't you like marketing? Well, somebody told you not to like marketing. Well, do you even know what marketing is? No. So the, most people have... Uh, many, many, I promise you, you are being influenced. So for instance, when you move into a neighborhood and if everybody in the neighborhood cuts their own grass and then you go hire someone to cut your grass, I can promise you one of your neighbors is going to be like, well, what are you doing hiring someone to cut your grass? Now my wife is asking me or my husband is asking me why I don't hire those people. There is socioeconomic pressure. There is all kinds of things. And so one, one of the great suppressants in life is these secret influencers that people act like they don't have. Now, here's what you've gotta understand. If you're not going out, so what I told this person is I said, listen, I'm when I'm shopping for something, then I make time for it, okay? When I'm shopping for something, I make time. So if, I mean, my assumption is you wouldn't be on this podcast if you didn't want to grow your practice. Either that or you're just interested in stealing my stuff and doing something. I mean, like, I don't control all that, right? So, so there'll be some people on the podcast who will just want free content that they'll then turn around and use somewhere else. And then, but if you really want to grow your practice, then the highest level of participation is to seek out a relationship that would force you to do that so when somebody hires me and again it's very different levels but what they're basically saying is right and this is why for instance we do so many events and you know i i am in contact with the clients because they're entrusting you right and and so and that's why for instance i always tell people well, try one thing track the results right and, and earn trust but so When, okay, so let's go back to, wait a minute, let's go back. So, uh, all right. So I had a little electrical problem in my office, and so what do I want? I texted a guy, he's going to come over and fix it. I'm seeking someone to fix this electrical situation, right? I'm seeking seeking a triathlon uh, trainer right now. So listen, remember, that's the healthiest version. So one list I want you to make, I mean, I want you to make two lists today. On the left... I want you to put all everyone who's influenced you, right? And 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 what's so hard, for instance, is if you put your dad on that list and you have to understand that your dad has a limit. Like my dad had a limit. I had to go out and get other mentors who knew different things. And and then those mentors have limits. And so but it is so important to understand that you are being influenced. You're being influenced by your past. You're being influenced by social pressure. You're being influenced by people, your friends. And so, for instance, if you have a bunch of friends that are not winners and you decide you want to become a winner, your friends don't like it. If two people are in marriage and they get a little heavy and one goes, I'm going to lose weight. The other one's not exactly happy about it unless they're doing it together. So let's look at some professions like, so for instance, the life insurance profession. Okay. Well, the life insurance profession right now, everyone who sells life insurance has rebranded themselves as financial planners. And so if you, if somebody calls you up and says, Hey, would you like a financial plan? Most likely what they're going to do is they are going to get all of your stuff. And then they're probably going to try to sell you insurance. And in their mind, they are doing the greatest thing in the world, right? And so. I personally don't buy a lot of very expensive insurance so I'd rather concentrate on developing real assets but these people believe what they're doing is in well I mean here's the question is it in their best interest or is it in yours so this concept and listen this is so important because if you don't understand this you're gonna allow I mean let me give you a statistic I saw a a study that said that 76% of all doctors get their practice management advice from a friend free. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like that basically means that you would ask a person a question who you don't know if they're qualified to give the answer. I mean, it's the exact reason why When most clients hire us and I say, well, why are your phones on the front desk? They look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, because what they did is they copied somebody, but they didn't think about who they were copying, okay? And so this concept of being influenced is a huge deal. You have to know when to not be influenced. So if you guys go to a, you know, I mean, how many times do you get influenced to buy a piece of equipment? How many times do you, you know, you've got to actually shop for what you want. You should not be so. My rule, okay. So let's kind of let's apply this. So number one, okay, if I'm not shopping for it, uh, it's not gonna, I'm not gonna be interested. Here's a call I get once a month. Jay got a question. Okay, what is it? Got a really great opportunity to buy a practice. Really? Okay, tell me about it. Well, guy down the street, uh, he's selling it for $350,000. I said, yeah, tell me about the practice. Oh, well... Guy's gotten kind of old, so he's describing a dying practice, right? Basically, and he's telling me what a great deal it is. I said, well, who told you it was a great deal? Like, like, did you do an assessment and you determine that? No, he said, well, the guy who called me said it's a great deal. So you're telling me someone called you, said they have a great deal on a practice, only $350,000, and you're calling and asking me I mean, what, what, what's your question, right? I said, what, what's the question? And so what I'm doing is I'm sourcing where that piece of information came from. So you're telling me that a person who has a dead practice, literally, has called you and told you it's a great deal, and now you're telling me it's a great deal. You're repeating what you heard from the person trying to sell you the practice. And they go, well, yeah, I guess so. Okay. See, and I know they didn't pick up on it. Now, you, because you're, and they're emotional, right? And and then I say, well, oh, uh, I guess, let me guess, you need to make a decision quickly? They're like, yes, how did you know? I'm like, because these are the things people say when they're trying to sell a dead practice, okay? And usually I'll say, You know, we end up saying, "I said, well, imagine if you spent three hundred fifty thousand dollars to improve your marketing, how many patients would we get, right?" And I've had many clients buy these practices, and again, usually they don't work out. Usually, there's very little value there. But the point that I'm trying to get to is, do you see how it gets in your head? Okay. So the the so what you're looking for. So, for instance, by the way, in the DSOs now. And any person who joins a DSO, every DSO has a finder's fee if you refer a friend. It might as well just be multi-level marketing operations, okay, so the next time your friend is like, oh my gosh, you should join this, this is great. Well, how long have you been a member? Oh, well, I just did it two months ago. What are you even saying it's great for? You've only done it for two months. That doesn't even make any sense. The truth is they probably get a payment if they bring you in. So when you think about this idea every single so imagine that you're able to insulate yourself right so like for me i have we we create a concept called like a bubble and i i go through every day and 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 there's a sort of an imaginary bubble and the first thing i never want to do is never put myself in positions where i can be influenced by people that i know don't have the is not something I'm looking for, it isn't something that, so, so let me give you an example. Let's say your brother-in-law becomes a life insurance agent and he says, hey, can we meet and look at do your financial plan? Well, the, if you say yes, most of you will end up giving your assets or you'll end up, if, if your brother-in-law becomes a real estate, you'll end up listing your house with a terrible salesperson. And it's because you accepted the first meeting. The answer is don't take the first meeting, right? Because you probably know, like most people, once you take that first meeting, it's very hard to say no. And so think about this, like you have to look at every single piece of information coming out of every single person's mouth, right? So I was switching channels the other day and I mean, I heard somebody say something that I thought made zero sense whatsoever, but it only makes sense if they were trying to twist the information in a certain way. And I kind of felt like they were lying, right? So I'm sitting there watching it, so I just turn it off. Don't let it enter my brain. So, okay, now, if you want to run a successful practice, okay, there are four or five major things you've got to get good at. One of them is money. And how we make decisions regarding money. Now, most people I encounter know very little bit about very little about money. They've not studied the history of money. They don't. They don't know about how to control their own money. So, for instance, if you're listening to this, I think I've got a big financial event happening in Florida in October. There's probably a few seats left. You can reach out to my office. I do a three-day uh, total financial review and the entire total uh, financial plan that you do at your desk and and the whole concept is to make you independent and to let you not be influenced by other people so if you watch greed scam and scoundrels and you you know hopefully you guys remember bernie madoff right and bernie madoff was all about this idea of he was able to influence people to get their money and then he just went and spent their money and so you need, number one, you need to understand you have susceptibilities, right? This system for me started back when I, it like, hmm, I even hate to say the word, but for me, um, I apply this like when people talk about illness, um, I, I tune them out. So, like, if in, in during COVID, I mean, you know, you'd meet people and they would just sit there and tell you about COVID. I, I would just leave. I was like, And I even told a few people, I was, listen, I'd rather not hear about it, right? I think I've watched the news, I know, you know. And they were like, well, why don't you wanna hear about it? Well, the reason I don't wanna hear about it is because I'm a big believer that what you put into your brain, right, what you think about tends to be what you get. So I uh, like somebody, you know, like you suggest they floss and they brush their teeth a certain way and they get a checkup, okay, fine. I'm a big believer in protecting what goes into your head. You need to protect what goes into your head. You don't just throw everything into your brain because when it goes in, it sticks in your subconscious mind. You want to control that. And that's what I mean by ceding influence to someone else. You know, think about the advice you would give if you had a teenager. Right. This is the all our worst fears. So the teenager, he doesn't ask his parents, or she doesn't ask their parents. They ask their friends. Right. So we all learn this. That's the dumbest thing you can possibly do. But they think that it's the smartest thing they can do. Right. That doesn't make any sense. So. This starts very early and it goes on a long time. And anybody who's frustrated with their business, anyone who's frustrated with their bank account, anyone who's frustrated with their people, I'm going to promise you, you have ceded a ton of control somehow and you have to get it back. And so, but the first thing is to realize you've given it up. I mean, the first thing is to realize, so I'm, when I go around the country and if I'm talking to somebody, I mean, I want to check in and I want to say, hey, you know, and, and it's interesting is like, are you negative about your profession? And, and if so, why? Well, because someone told you to be? Well, that's, that, is, that doesn't make, well, it clearly does make sense to people. <laughs> Sorry, I think I say that too much. It, it, it's incorrect is what it is. Right. And then all of a sudden, if I said, well, who'd you hear that from? And then you say, well, I read some articles and I saw well, who printed those articles? Well, we, OK. All right. And so I don't know how old you are, but we we I like the term propaganda. Like when I that was the term for what the Russians used to say about America. You know, I have a um, we adopted uh, a daughter. Uh, she was two at the time. So it was 20 years ago. And we spent some time in the Ukraine and, and when we were there, the translator was Yakov Shlutsky, right? And so I had some really great conversations, drinking vodka with Yakov about the KGB. He was former KGB. And so I was like, okay, well, tell me a little bit about how you were taught about the United States. And so he's describing this and he's telling me clear as day, he said, yeah, when we went to school, they put the map up and then the United States would just be this black, they would just make it black. And they would say, it's a terrible place. You don't want to know anything about it. And and they controlled what they found out about the United States. Now today, obviously that with social media, that's very difficult to do, but they were just lying. And 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 it's so interesting how You know, when you think about the worst case scenario of propaganda, propaganda is still alive and well. And propaganda gets used on you like all the time. And so my system that I created of filtering out everything that comes in your brain, filtering it down to the source. I always go to the source, right? So, okay, you're a financial planner, is that right? Yes, I am. And who do you work for? Northwestern Mutual, okay. And that's an insurance company, right? Okay, all right. So you see, I know exactly what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a life insurance agent dressed up like a financial advisor. What are they? They're a life insurance salesperson. There's nothing else to it. And so if I'm not shopping for life insurance, I'm not gonna hire that person. When it comes to money, I teach all my clients very early on, if you want to do well, you have to stop taking money-making advice from everyone, including sometimes your family, usually your family, that's the hardest, might be your parents, might be your uncle, might be your brother-in-law, might be your wife, might be your wife's life coach, whatever, whatever you got going on, right? anyone who makes maybe your accountant everyone who makes less money than you you got to stop listening to and you got to go find somebody who makes more and you got to start listening to them and most likely people who you know that's when i say this podcast is a contribution of the profession i don't get paid to do this podcast i get paid to give teach people stuff and here i am doing this for free well that's what i mean So if, what I mean by a contribution, right? Um, And when I get done with this, I'm gonna record something totally different that someone's paying for. So how do you protect yourself? So if, again, in money-making advice, the people, like, I'm here giving you this information. I'm not trying to be arrogant or sound, But most likely, I make more money than you do, okay? So, and I'm comfortable saying that without feeling like an egomaniac. And so that's why I'm saying you would be better to listen to me about making money than whoever your greatest influencer is. So, I mean, that's a hard one for people, right? I mean, think about that. Like, And what I mean by that is you don't go ask them questions. So a lot of you don't even know this. If you look up the average income of an accountant, probably like your accountant, it's not very high. But yet, you actually will take money-making advice from your accountant. <laughs> and I always marvel at this, right? And, it's, and, and so what we're, first I want you to identify how insidious this is. First, I want you to see it and apply it to you. And then my hope is that you can get good and understand, wow, are you telling me that the way this works is I have to go seek out people and pay them to tell me things that I can't get access to for free? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because why would anyone, you know, it's funny. Um, sure, you can crawl around the internet and get a bunch of free stuff, but it's it's so interesting that you have to understand the concept. So I go back over my life and it this goes back to the first time I ever ordered a book of cassettes for $99 from Nightingale Conant. I mean, and I'm learning from this expert, right? And then um, I want to learn how to market. I go hire marketing people. I want to learn about money. I go hire. See, that's how that works. And it's the proactive version of it. And then, and so the truth about, you know, if you go to the, I used to love to say this, like if you go to Barnes and Noble, right, say you still have a Barnes and Noble and walk around one day, you know, get a coffee and then go stand at the the self-help section and Figure out, are more people at the self, you know, the, self, the self-help section is like one rack, and then there's all these other books. And, and if you compare, like, the fiction to the non-fiction, right? I mean, the self-help book thing is full of incredibly useful information. But, but you have to go there. <laughs> so if you think this information is just going to get to you by your circle of influence, you're correct. And and so, one, you have to understand the subconscious mind, you have to understand the power of words, you have to understand how that's influencing you, and then you have to cut that off and and look at your language. So again, I mean, usually in a five-minute conversation, I can tell by the words you use, whether or not you are in control of your life or not, or someone else is, and and then again, I mean, and then what if, there, is your fantasy ultimately c- ceding control of your life? That's crazy. I, uh, when I flew into Nashville the other day, there was a plane there. And on the tail, there was a person giving the finger, you know, it was like the, <laughs> the FU, right? It was like a, a fingers. And, and so I was like, hmm, wonder whose plane that is. So I, I get in the car and and I see it's got American Badass on it. Well, it turns out, and then I saw KR, so it was Kid Rock's plane. And then somebody sent me an interview with Kid Rock. And Kid Rock is talking about, in the interview, he's saying, listen, I'm not beholden to anybody. That's like, for me, it's like, I have never been beholden, you know, 25 years, I haven't been beholden to anybody. That's why I can say whatever I want to say. I don't have corporate sponsors. And he was talking about that. He's like, most people have to do certain things. I want like for me in my life that's always the way it's been. I I maintain my independence. I I'm not I don't work with large corporations because if I did they'd be telling me what to do. They'd be telling me who to hire. They'd be telling me what we need to say. I mean what's going on in big corporations today is horrible. And so. The question is, have you ceded control of a lot of the way things work in your life without really understanding that that's what you did? Most people, this is, they don't even understand this concept, let alone to have the level of sophistication to fix it. But I think for the sake of this recording, I want to kind of just stay on this idea and I want I don't want to go through the full solution with you because I think it's more important in this recording to understand actually what we're talking about that every time you just soak up any random piece of information from a person who you don't con, you don't consider their source I mean think about it like this if a newspaper has to confirm the source why don't you confirm the source of anything that you stick between your ears right i mean it's very similar why why do people allow information just to flow in and the preventing of it is the biggest thing that i see it's kind of like the events you choose to go to you know i mean a lot of doctors the only events they go to are ce events and really kind of i don't want to say by law but by Uh, by the rules of CE, like there's a reason why I don't offer CE. It's real simple because you can't talk about what you need to talk about and still give CE. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Uh, And a lot of people think that they're they're getting what they want out of CE. Now, listen, I'm going to wrap this up with this. This is a tremendous profession. It is an incredible honor to be able to help patients, what you get to do. It is a relatively uncomplicated business. If you do it incredibly well, you can make a lot of money. It is a wonderful legacy, And, and don't let anyone tell you any differently. And if you do, you're violating this rule. And listen, it's one thing to listen to them, but it's another, I mean, I mean. so again, what am I saying? I'm saying that you take the source, you go to the source. When someone starts talking, you source it. Who is this? Why are they saying this? Sometimes, how much money do they make? What do they want out of this, right? I source everything. And, and that allows me to filter through that information. And it was funny I was listening to that that client sent me that interview about Kid Rock and and what he was saying is he was saying that my fans want me to tell them the truth, right? And my fans don't care. And the only reason I would change my bias is if I was being influenced by the music people or the music industry or whatever it is. And so he said, I refuse to do that so I can maintain my independence. This is what we're talking about. You need to stop being inadvertently influenced to the negative side, to the inconsequential side. And I'll leave you with this question. How are you gonna measure your life at the end? And, I, and everyone who seeds the decision-making process about everything will probably have very few people show up at their funeral. I mean, I always wanted to measure my life based upon how much positive influence I had created over people, among other things, right? And yeah, money is certainly a score, but... I've given away my retirement several times uh, and so generosity is also a score, right? And it's always interesting, right? That remember, if there isn't some margin, it's very difficult for you to have any purpose, right? Um, For you to be influential, for you to affect things. So, how do you want to be measured and then the ultimate question becomes how do you actually become influential well what's so interesting is it's about this is the process it's about changing your inputs you know you know i have this community of doctors who are all taking their practice five times larger and so You know, if you said, "Well, Jay, I want to take my practice five times larger," then then you have to make an application for that program, and we have to vet you out a little bit. And then, if all of a sudden you're in that community, and two years goes by, and the next thing you know, you're on the way to going five times. I mean, because it's where you chose to put yourself, right? You know, I chose to go to the meetings. I chose to learn the information. I I had persistence, right? And I didn't let the naysayers, right? one of the, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? The nays- He talks about the naysayers. I was watching a clip and I was interviewing Nick Saban at one of our events. And, you know, he brought up, I was asking him about Alabama's recruiting. And he said, you know, recruiting is the essence of success. Like right now, one of the things about recruiting, like what I'm about to go do after this is I'm about to deliver an incredible message to my clients on how to fix this recruiting problem, because we've been attacking this thing for six months. And and now that they're putting my strategies in place, it's solving their recruiting problems, right? You're listening to this and you are you fear that. I've got an incredible event going on in December for two days that you could come to, bring your office manager. We can solve, help you solve that problem if you're willing to put yourself in that position. But if you're going to just sit around and... And you, you know, you're like, well, we have a recruiting problem. And it's like, what are you doing to fix it? Well, it's not fixable. Well, that's what you're basically doing is you're listening to the people and you're listening to even allowing your team to say that to you. You're probably saying it. And anytime you say it, that's the truth. So stop ceding control. Start taking control. Start eliminating the influences that are not getting you where you want to go and understand this concept. And then go and step up your game, put yourself in a place to learn the things you need to learn. I mean, pretty easy. So anyways, I want you to take this. I want you to be a student of it. I want you to listen to what people say like the next time somebody who makes no money gives you money making advice so for instance if you're taking money making advice from your team (laughs) that's interesting right yep that's what I'm talking about you know I can tell you how many times you know somebody will hire us and and over the you know 25 years and and the client calls and says well Susie doesn't want to do it and I said okay well can I ask you a question how long has Susie been there 15 years how long you had troubles 15 years, and you never thought it might be Susie. Is that is that right? Well, uh, she shows up, and I was like, yeah, okay. Well, let me tell you something. You, if you go Susie's direction, everything's gonna stay the same, right? If you go my direction, either Susie's gonna change, or Susie's gonna leave. Either way, you're gonna be better off. But it's so funny how we can make this so emotional, so right? But again, don't take money-making advice from people who make less than you. All right. Listen, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet soon. Have a fantastic day. Take care.
0: The only people saying the independent practice is dead are the people trying to buy your practice. But if it was so bad, why would they want to buy it? Dental service organizations are preying on vulnerable private practice owners. And if you aren't educated on the strategies they're using to buy practices at a hefty discount, you could make the mistake of selling your practice for hundreds of thousands of dollars less than what it is actually worth. Get caught up on episodes seven and eight to learn what to avoid, who to trust, and when to sell.